Wir haben so vieles geschafft, wir schaffen das. Nobody can do it like me. Nobody. Yes, we can. Nobody loves the Bible more than I do. Which is why I alone can fix it. They promise, promote, proclaim populism propaganda on sale today. Make America great again. Make love, not walls. Yes, we can. Let's exit Brexit. But truth is what pleases. And you, will you keep your promises? Heaven on earth, nothing would compare. But are you more than just another voice? You leave, you die, you chose death, and then silence. You're gone, and we're alone again. But there's a sound of that voice. He's risen. He is risen. For generations, the glimmer of hope has not faded. You keep your word. Surpass your announcement. Different from what we expected. More than we could have imagined. You keep your promises. Well, fantastic. He is keeping his promises. Good to be here. Welcome from my side. And you know, we are right in that season. Hashtag Jesus, right? And we're looking at seven I am statements from Jesus. That because it's a good thing because we hear a lot of things about Jesus, but let's focus on what did he actually Jesus say that he is, right? So um, we're gonna look at one passage that is so radical, it's still radical today. It was back then radical, it's so radical today, and it's really cutting edge uh, because Jesus said that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody comes to the Father except through him. It's inviting, it's radical, and it's very clear. And um, before we go into the whole passage, let me pray, um, because I believe God is going to reveal himself in a fresh way to us today. God, I thank you so much for this, for this new day. I thank you that for the living word, the Bible that is here for us today so we can get to know you better. And today we want to get to know you, God, better through your son, Jesus. Reveal yourself to us in a new way today that our lives might be never the same anymore. We love you and we thank you that we can be here together. And nobody here is here per, per accident. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would speak to, uh, to everybody's heart. Amen. Amen. All right. If you have a Bible, John chapter 14, or you check the screen, or you version, or old school print out. I'm an old school guy. I'm like printing out stuff. Uh, whatever works for you, as long as you can read it. So... Here we read like Jesus saying, do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God and believe in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. So how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. What a powerful passage in the Bible. And you know that picture 
of a home was actually very relevant to the society they were living in, in the Tudor, Judaism uh, the society, because back then it was like when the, the grooms, men would like go before they would get married to, and the, he would leave and he would prepare the home for where they can stay together afterwards. And for a short time, the groom and the bride were separated until they would be reunited. And it was the same as like, I'm going to prepare a place for you. He was talking about a home that they were longing for, a home they wanted to be. And homes are interesting, you know. You can have a roof over your head, but not a home, right? Who knows that? Who knows that? I know that. So we, we moved as a family six times in 10 years. Who beat that? Anybody? It's not a record to, be, uh, to beat. It's not, a, it's not a good thing, but we're glad for every place we had. And one thing I learned that you have to um, very quickly unpack the boxes. So I had brought a picture of our living room and it was pretty much like that. Not to, not to show off my wife is great, you know. She's, but nah, but it was, we were like, the moment we were in there because just the four walls, they were not the home. The home started to become, when, become like a home when we unboxed all the stuff and took everything off the boxes and, and then we moved in, you know. We moved in. Home is a special thing. But my question is, where is home for you? And what if the roof over your head actually doesn't bring you the feeling of home, of acceptance, of belonging? What then? Home. Let this word sink into your brains when the memories flood through your veins. Maybe a certain smell? Your mom's homemade morsel? Mountains? Or the ocean? Hatred or devotion? A mansion or just a little shed? Overflow or just some dry old bread? Many friends, family and hunky-dory? Or stress, fighting and a sad story? Tja, it means something different to everyone. Maybe something bad, or like hitting a home run. For example, I had to consider it first, in which language should we converse? Even though it appears to be spontaneously, and that my rhymes are flowing instantaneously. Meine Muttersprache, or this one? The language I speak with my kids. If you ask me where are you from, my answer will not instantly come. Which reply makes currently the most sense and gets our relationship to truly commence? The country is pretty much fixated, but for the town, the status shows it's complicated. Fifteen times I had to change my address. My true home became a more or less. And a piece of you is always left behind. It's cool, but how much you miss things comes to mind. Now, how about you, my kids? <laughs> okay, Australia, Japan, England, Switzerland. Where's your home? Okay, that's how fusion becomes confusion. But where is home if you don't know where home is? Maybe it's the wrong question. Okay, again, don't think about countries or cities or even buildings. Where is home? Living in your bed. Which one, the one in London or the one upstairs? Doesn't matter. Family, warmth, to belong. You can take all that along. Wie ist das bei dir? 
Ich habe bolivianische Wurzeln. Ist es leicht, dahin zurückzugehen? Nein, das ist es nicht. Sorry, ist es manchmal schwierig, wenn du darauf angesprochen wirst? Ähm, ich denke nur, wenn ich manchmal einschlafen möchte. Maybe it's an emotion, not just a place or a notion. Maybe it's the people with a kindred mind, showing me that we're of a similar kind. Maybe it's reminiscing with my peers, when we meet again after many years. And maybe it's just being sentimental, because even our memories are just temperamental. Maybe C.S. Lewis said it best. If we find within ourselves the desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that we were made for another world. Maybe home is something entirely different. find ourselves with a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy. The most probable, probable explanation is that we were made for another world. How true and how powerful. There's a deep desire in us. And Jesus said, I'm going to go and prepare a place where all your desires are met, where you're truly satisfied within your soul. I'm going to go there and there will be a place You know, it's pretty important that we realize in what kind of context Jesus was saying that. In chapter 11, Jesus was just raising Lazarus from the dead. Powerful. Everybody realized, man, this man is not just a man. This is like God. Chapter 12. Jesus would walk into the town of Jerusalem on a donkey and people would celebrate him as the next king. And the Jews were like excited. Finally! We will be delivered from the, from the Roman Empire. Finally, our king is here. Finally, freedom here on earth. Their hopes were high. They were never as high before. But then chapter 13 in Gospel of John, Jesus said, by the way, we're going to have a lost supper. And then... Um, he revealed to them that, you know, there's one guy among our closest friends, uh, he's going to actually betray me. And everyone, like, what? Somebody betraying me? Crazy. And then, by the way, you know, you, Peter, you're really a man of faith, but you're going to actually, you just, pee, you know, you're like, you, you're going to pee your pants. You know, you, you're going to, you are so afraid to even belong to me, you're going to deny me. And like, what? And then, by the way, I'm going to die. Like really die on the cross, like the worst death you can ever imagine. And the spirit of the disciples was low. Their worlds fell apart like a house made of cards that in one moment it was there, in other moment it was gone. They were shattered on the ground. And Jesus was seeing that. He realized, you know what? He always sees you, not just what you're going through, but always how you feel while you're going through what you're going through. He sees you and he saw it. And that's why he said, you know what? Don't be, let your hearts be troubled. And the amazing thing, you know what he did then? He gave them another perspective. He showed them, you know what? This world here, it's only temporarily. 
You're made for another place. And he raised their perspectives. You know, so often we are standing at the mountains only seeing rocks in front of our eyes. I'm like, you know, I always planned to do this and now this happened. My world fell apart. What now? I don't see a way. And in that moment, Jesus comes and he tries to give you a perspective of the mountaintop. You know, I've seen the promised land. I've been on the mountaintop, Martin Luther King, right? It's amazing. And he gives you a perspective of what can be. And that's what Jesus does when we come to him with our challenges, with our dead ends. He makes a dead end into a crossway and say, you know what, there's a better way for you. So he says, you know what, don't be troubled. I'm making a place for you that is way better. Heaven is waiting for you. And you know, it's so important we talk about heaven because heaven is a real place. You know, heaven is not just air and lovey-dovey and, you know, a little weird angel flying around and like weird. Heaven is, is real. I don't, know every, I don't know exactly how heaven is going to look like. But one thing I know, it's going to be a place where I can belong. It's going to be a place where there are dimensions. It's going to be a place where they, I feel joy and I don't feel tears. I feel something and I will belong and there will be peace and there will be love and there will be acceptance, there will be home. It's a real place. And that's why it's so important because heaven should always bring hope to you. You know, I know some people, they grew up and the moment they said yes to Jesus was the moment they didn't feel like they belonged anymore. Because actually they felt like foreigners in their own house. Maybe you feel like that now, you know? Like you're like, yeah, I, here on earth, actually, I don't feel like I belong. I'm like, I'm like a, 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 you know, a misfit. You know, the crazy thing is, the Bible says we're all travelers. The moment you say yes to Jesus, you're a traveler. You're passing through this earth. But you have a destiny, a place, a hope that is unshakable, everlasting. And that should bring peace to you and hope to you, right? Amen? Because we know this world can come and go, but it's actually not what holds our lives together. It should bring hope to our hearts. And it, it will bring the right perspective to our theology. <laughs> you know, because reality is the promises of God will always come to, to life. But God always takes heaven into consideration. So it's not when he says you start, when he said yes to Jesus, you, you, you're not going to straight away go to heaven, but heaven starts now. And heaven and the life on here on earth, it's just like, it's meshes. So the promises of God are yes and amen in Jesus, but they are in, the, in heaven that starts now and will go to eternity because some stuff that we pray for, hope for, in our lifetime will not come to, to pass. But in heaven they will. And for God, it's like the same. The moment you say yes, you switched over to an everlasting life. And so it's important to keep that in mind when we pray, when we think, when we make faith declarations. But the, good question, the big questions right now is like, all right, so heaven is pretty cool. How do we get there, right? You all said, right? Thanks, thanks for asking, great. 
How do we get there? You know, and I love Thomas because Thomas, he doesn't always get the best passages in the Bible. You know, that all the time you read about Thomas was like Jesus was read, like right, rose from the dead and met the, the disciples and everybody was like clapping. And I'm like, he's like, I don't believe it. You know, like, I don't believe it, Jesus. Show me your hands. I want to I touch it. I want to feel it. He was like the doubter. And he was the guy that didn't get it. You know, like in school, there's always somebody that doesn't get it. You're like, this teacher says, like, ah, this is how what to do. And everybody pretends like they do get it. And one person actually is bold enough to say, I don't get it. Like, Jesus, where are you going? Like, you're saying, ah, like, you know where I'm going. No, I don't know where you're going. I, I don't even know where you are. Like, how should I know where you're going? Aren't you glad there's a Thomas in the Bible? Because we are often like Thomases. You know, we belong in the Bible like any other one. And um, Jesus works with the doubters. And he works with the people that doesn't get it. Because he's not, he doesn't feel too good to explain it how it is. And that's a cool thing for us. Because sometimes we might think here, you might sit here and realize, actually, I don't get it. That whole thing about Jesus, I don't get it. But I feel like everybody knows it. I'm like, I better pretend like I do get it. Yeah. Jesus has no problem with you saying, I don't get it. So Thomas said, I don't get it. And because of that, Jesus made one of the most radical statements in my eyes. If he would not have asked that, we probably would not have that sentence like that in the Bible because he said, Thomas, you do know where, where I'm going because the way, the way there, I am the way. I am the way. I am the way to God. I am the way to the Father. I'm, a, I'm the way to heaven. The way is not like a geographical city. It's not a theology. It's not some kind of 10 steps. I am the way. You know, when God, He made humanity. He made humanity to be with Him. But already in the early age, people thought like, oh, we know it better than God. We know it better. And they went their own way and they didn't listen to God. And suddenly sin entered humanity. And we are all infected with that virus called sin. And it's not about like, one thing we do, but our humanity is, and we look around and we see it everywhere, and sin separated from God, and we are here, but we still are made to be in relationship with God. We're still made, and all that longing within us says we want to get there, and everywhere in the world, actually, people are on the search to be reunited with God. And we work hard, we, we, we join different classes, we go and travel to different cities, we read and different stories and steps and places, we try hard, but we realize nothing will actually fit this gap. Nothing will actually make me good enough to really come back to that God. And, and God saw that and he realized, you know what, I'm, I always created you to be in fellowship with me. And that's why he's like, he's like the only one. He said, you know, all the other religions say, you work harder to get back to God. You just work harder. You, may, you might get back to God. But Jesus, God said, you know what? I know you're not going to make it. You need somebody who steps 
in the gap. And Jesus came and he died on the cross for us. And it's so powerful because he died on the cross for all our sins. And he took all our sins upon him so that we become sinless, righteous. And we read in the Bible like this powerful little sentence. Jesus was crying on the cross and said like, Father, Father, why have you forsaken me? You know why? Because for one moment he was separated so that we can be united. And he stood in that gap. And he made a way where there was no way. He made a bridge where it's so easy, there's not even a gap. But we just need to make a step to be backed with God. He is the way. You know, and you might even say, all right, Dan, you just don't know my situation. My gap is way bigger than that cross. You know, the gap is never bigger than the cross. It's never bigger than the cross. He's, he, what he did on the cross can always bridge that gap. But what, what it takes is we say we take that step. We, we actually, we're not going to try hard here, but we're going to just go on that bridge. Stand upon Jesus, upon what Jesus did for us. You know, I love GPSs. Who loves GPSs? I love GPSs. Like, I hate having no GPS. Like, getting lost is terrible. But then when you're lost and you don't even know where to go afterwards and you have no way out, it's even worse. So a GPS, the good thing about a GPS is if you make a wrong turn, it will always give you a way to return. You're like, all right, you're wrong, you're wrong exit, but in 200 meters, turn right. 150 meters, turn right. Oh, you miss it. In five kilometers, turn left, turn left. And it's always a new way. It's the same with God. You might say, all right, I walked the wrong way for now 10 years. How can I just go back? It's like a cheapest. It's just like this next turn. The question is, do you want to take it? Do you want to take it? Do you want to take the turn or do you keep on saying, ah, I'm going to have to go my own way. I do no way the way. No, like, why don't we listen to the cheapest? God saying, you know what? When you hear my voice, now listen. Now take the invitation. Don't, don't postpone it to tomorrow. So I'm going to, at the end of the celebration, I'm going to give you the invitation to really accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior and to make the step on the cross. Actually, it was, that's nicer. Ah, uh, sorry, guys. You know, the cross is, actually, actually the cross was never beautiful. It's just beautiful for us, but it was actually messy. Anyway, he is the way. But he's not just the way, he's also the truth. The truth who God is. You know, the Jews had so many pictures of who God is. They had, a, they had a picture of like, of his provision at the manor. He had, they, he had a, they had a, they had him quite close in the tabernacle. But when Jesus came, he said, I am the true manna. I am the true tabernacle. I'm the true image of the living God. And he says, you know, you might have just seen glimpse of who God is. But if you see me, you truly see who God is. And so often, actually, in our lives, we have pictures of God. Everybody has a picture of God, right? Like, I don't know, maybe you have a picture of God as like that, 
um, old guy who is just like really not into touch with what's happening today. You know, like he's like, so you, you're not going to go to him for your um, needs. But if you see God through Jesus, because Jesus says what you see me, that's actually who God is. Jesus was calming the storm. Jesus was delivering the possessed. Jesus was inviting the children. Jesus knew how to, go, to deal with the people who are weak and to deal with the people who are strong. He can deal with you. Yeah. How you see God will affect how you deal with him. And Jesus said, actually, a powerful, he says like, hey, the sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. In John chapter 14, verse 7, he says, if you really knew me, you will know my father as well. So how do we really get to know God and have the right image of God? We have to always see through Jesus. That's why I always say, you know, you can't just read the Old Testament. You need to read it through Jesus because only like that you have the whole picture how God is. God is not here to get you. God, He loves you. God will find a way. God knows you. We need to make sure our picture of God aligns with who Jesus is. Otherwise, we run the risk of having the wrong picture of God. He's the truth. But then He's also the life. And with that, that statement, he really topped it. You know, like, this is really bold. You know, like, it's like you go to a party. I'm like, are you also here at the party? And I'm like, nah, I'm not here at the party. I am the party. Like, how arrogant, right? And Jesus, reimagine like Jesus. Like, so I'm going to die in about four hours or so. I am the life. What? No, you're not. You're actually going to die. No, 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 you don't get it. Life is more than just birth and death. Life is, that I'm, the life that I'm talking about is much deeper. It's not what you can get. It's not what you are, the job and profession you are. If you have me, you will have real life. The life that I, will, I was always hoping you to have. Life that is full of peace, full of joy, of hope, of freedom. And that life you can have even if you have nothing here on life, in life. Who knows that? Who knows that? Amen. You know, I, I remember I was 20. I was in Australia getting to know my wife. Ah, that was good. And I didn't just think about my wife. I also thought about God. <laughs> and I had this moment where I, it really shaped my life because I thought about what if I lose everything? What if I lose everything that these people say that makes life? And for me back then, the most important thing was my friends. Maybe for you, it's your car, your job, your health. I don't know. But I thought, my, and I really was a personal moment, intimate. And in that moment, I tried to picture myself losing everything. Not I'm saying that's going to happen, but I just picture myself. What if I lose everything? But have God, and I felt peace. 
I felt it's going to be all right. And suddenly I realized, why does Paul, when they were in prison in the Bible, we read about them, they didn't experience like, yeah, fun life. They were put in prison, but they were singing out of joy. Not because they knew they wanna be, would be delivered in like a couple of minutes afterwards. They didn't know that back then. But they were because they were full of joy. They had life. The life that actually everybody's longing for. Why, why was Stephanus, when he was dying, full of life in his face? Because he had life. The life that only Jesus can give you. So I want to just invite you, there is life for you that is not connected with what you have here on earth. And how beautiful is that? How how much peace can bring that? Because we do live in an amazing country. But the gospel is made for the whole world. And for some people in this world, when they say yes to Jesus, they might even say yes to losing life here on earth. And Jesus said, you know what? There is more life for you. And it's also an important message for us in Switzerland. There is more life for you, more than just what you can earn, more than what you can get and what, what you wear. I'm here to give you true life. And then it's also nice to enjoy the nice things that life can give you. He doesn't say it's bad, but he just make sure you have real life. So I'm asking you tonight, do you have that real life? Because Jesus wants to give you that real life. But he is saying, you know what, I invite you. There is real life here. This is true, but there's only one way there. And it's an invitation for you tonight. And so let, why don't we all stand up and I wanna just invite you guys. Let's close our eyes because let's make it a personal moment between you and God, because at the end of the day, it's actually God asking you, do you want to accept that new way? Do you want to have that life that you were actually always designed for and longing for? Do you want to feel home and accept it? Because I made a place for you. There is a room with your name on it. It's waiting for you. So as we have our eyes closed, I want to just ask you, if you have never made that decision to make a step on the cross saying, I want to, I need Jesus. I need what He has done on the cross to unite me with God. I need His forgiveness. If that's you, why don't you raise your hand up? Because I want to pray with you. Cool, I see that hand, I see that hand. Is there anybody else? Say, I want to today make that step as we have our eyes closed. The invitation is there for you. Because she said, do you want to come? The bridge, the cross is open. There's no gate for you. Is anybody, anybody else, why don't you raise your hand? I want to pray with you. Awesome. Awesome. Why don't we all pray together that? Say, so Jesus, I thank you that you made a way to be united with God. I thank you that you love me and you have real life prepared for me. I accept what you have done on the cross for my life. Be my GPS. 
lead me. I want to walk with you. I need you. Amen. Amen. Why don't we give them, those people that prayed that for the first time, a big round of applause. How good is that? How good is that? You know what? Before we go into worship, just one last thing. God wants to give you a new perspective about heaven today. God wants to give you a new perspective that will shape all your decisions you make here on earth. Because this is temporary and heaven is forever. It will help you to make the right decisions. It will help you to go through the, the dark values. It will help you to bring joy where is no joy because you have a hope in the home you have that is waiting for you. And God, I thank you so much for the home you're preparing for us. I thank you so much that this, this, this home is starting right now. I thank you that the, the peace flows right now. I thank you that you're bringing new perspectives right now. I thank you that you're bringing new hopes right now. You're restoring new ways. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. I will trust your sovereignty when there is no clarity because I can't sit forever in my disappointment and pain. I'm going to stand. Fear loves to limit you. Fear loves to keep you where you are. Fear wants you to do what you have always done and never do anything new. Fear wants to shackle your potential and fear always wants to limit you. Jesus, I'm afraid. Jesus, let's do it. And there are moments when you are in a ladder when you are facing an area where you're super afraid, don't give up. Hallo und Grüezi, ich bin Andreas und das ist der Timo und wir sind Teil von der TV-Arbeit vom ICF in Zürich. Und was wir hier genauso machen, das erzählt euch jetzt der Timo. Ja genau, wir zeichnen jede Woche unsere Gottesdienste auf und strahlen die dann auf zehn verschiedenen Fernsehkanälen mittlerweile über 40 Mal pro Woche im deutschsprachigen Fernsehen aus. Nicht nur das, wir nehmen auch noch zusätzlich 24 Folgen Story of Christmas auf. Das heißt, 24 Mal wie Adventskalender zu Weihnachten gehen wir direkt in die Wohnzimmer von den Leuten zu Hause. Dann nehmen wir noch Musicals und Konferenzen, alles ins Fernsehen. Also eine mega coole Sache. Und wenn du Teil von dieser TV-Arbeit sein möchtest, dann bieten wir jetzt einen einjährigen bezahlten Internship an, wo du wirklich herkommen kannst, Teil davon sein kannst und lernen kannst, wie wir das genau machen. Wir freuen uns, von dir zu hören. Yes.